Amen. God bless you. You may be seated, friends. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much to our worship team for leading us in worship this morning and adding the creativity that helps us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. This is Easter Sunday morning, and I am so glad to be sharing it with you. This is the most important day of our faith. This is the reason um, for everything else that we do. This is the day when Christ has risen from the dead, and he is Lord. He is the King of Kings, and I am so glad to celebrate this Easter Sunday morning with you. Of course, most of you are on site in our building, and we're so glad to have you there. Those of you that are online will be glad to know that Jeff and I are joining you online this morning. Uh, We managed to avoid this virus for over two years and uh, managed to catch it just in time for Easter weekend. And so we're a little bit disappointed that we can't be there on site with all of you, but we're awfully glad for the technology and the ability to join you online and to be part of our Easter celebrations even though we are here isolated at home. Before we um, go into God's word this morning, I wanna give you a little financial update. We do this about once a month at Evangel. And I wanted to take time today to let you know where we are at and how things are going. Truth is, our general fund budget here at Evangel is really tight right now really, really tight. And um, if you have tracked with us at all, you know that we give generously outside of ourselves. We have continued to support all of the international initiatives and partners that we support. We've done that all the way through the pandemic without missing a beat. We have made sure, as you know, we did a special project at Christmas, giving outside of ourselves um, to help uh, initiatives and organizations here in Montreal that are serving people in poverty. We also gave to help people in the Democratic Republic of Congo to help them with um, as they are facing uh, famine and hunger. And of course, in more recent weeks, we have been focusing hard on giving towards humanitarian aid in Ukraine as well with the war that they are facing there. And so it is an ongoing thing. We have been doing this for over 100 years. We're going to continue doing this, making sure that we give outside of ourselves to help the needs that are out there. But the truth is that in order to do that, we have to have a home base here as well. We have to have a heart for this house as well. And this house has some real expenses and uh, we are starting to struggle to be able to pay our bills as well right now. And there are a number of reasons for that. None of it's a crisis. It's just the reality of after two years of a pandemic, um, some of our giving has not caught up. Some of it has tapered off a little as different people have moved away and some of you have begun to attend our church but you have not yet begun to give in a regular way. And so we've worked hard to keep our expenses under control and managed really well. But the truth is there are expenses and some of them become even unexpected. And so we don't spend what we don't have but we have some real expenses that are that are important. So we've had some things like equipment failure that was unexpected, that the equipment that actually runs this live stream service had to be replaced in the last month or two. Uh, we've had some plumbing issues. Those of you who are on site have known that we've had some limitations for a while. It's fixed now, but we've had some limitations in what we could do because we had some plumbing problems and just ongoing other things going on. And so we are behind in our general fund budget and we are really, really tight and we need some help with that. 
And so I'm asking you if you would consider, and we'll give you this opportunity now, we're going to remind you of it at the end of the service as well. You can see on the screen all the ways that there are to give. You can always give through our app. You can text to give. You can give through our website. There are multiple ways that you can do that. If you're on site, you can. Uh, there will be offering stations and lockboxes where you can drop off your offering today at the end of the service. But I'm just asking you, would you consider... If you've never given before, would you consider giving today to help us with our expenses? Would you consider, even if you are considering our church to be your church home, this is the place where you come on-site or online every Sunday, would you consider becoming a regular giver so that we can budget and we can know what to expect that will come in? And if you are one of our regular givers and maybe you've fallen a bit behind or maybe you have room to give a little bit more, We would sure be grateful if you could do that today. We would be super thankful for that. And we just thank you for partnering with us and for being part of all that we are doing so that we can continue as a thriving, awesome, fantastic local church right here in downtown Montreal that is just doing everything we can to bless our world around us. And so thank you for giving today. I want to introduce you to our speaker this morning, although if you have tracked with us at all, he needs no introduction. Gary and Gwen Connors are part of our church and have been members of our church for a long time, both of them deeply involved in multiple ways in all of the things that we are doing. Gary serves on our lead team. He has also in the past been the district superintendent of our denomination here in Quebec. He served as the president of IBQ for a number of years. He functions as a representative for Quebec and Francophone Canada with our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And he's also been a local church pastor himself. And he has been nothing but a blessing at Evangel. Both him and Gwen are a valued part of our congregation. And so uh, Gary has spoken here at Evangel before and certainly will again. But I wanted to welcome him and say thank you, Gary, for um, speaking this morning on Easter Sunday, particularly as I can't be there. And uh, I just want you to join me together this morning in welcoming Gary Connors. Bonjour les amis, comment ça va? How are you friends? How's Evangel family today? Great to be here on this uh, Sunday morning. And thank you, Patty, for, for those words. And it's just great to be a part of this assembly for so, so many years. It's my privilege this morning to share uh, from the scriptures. And so if you'll turn with me in your, in your Bibles or just read on screen. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to read together the first 11 verses uh, of, this, of this chapter. It's the resur- on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me 
also as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. Friends, prayer today is, Lord, that you will bless your word to, your, to our hearts and also to our minds. And Father, we thank you today on this special day that we are gathered, that you just come and make your word really real and, and life-giving to each one of our lives. Show us really how great this day we celebrate, really how important it is for our Christian faith. Lord, you know each one, whether they're here in this assembly or whether they're at home, make yourself, make your presence really real with them. We pray in Christ's name, amen. You'll notice this passage here starts with the three-letter words, uh, and it says, now. Well, this makes me think a bit of Pastor Patty last weekend when she spoke on uh, the Palm Sunday message. If you remember, uh, she uh, started her message and she talked about after telling this story, then they talked about the, the triumphal entry of Jesus. And just in the same manner as, as Pastor Patty last week gave the whole context to, uh, to what the story, what she was going to share that morning, here this, this morning it's very important that we understand the context of this particular passage of Scripture. And it's important when you read all Scripture that you really take into consideration all the things that surround it so that you don't take it out of its own context. So here we are in this particular chapter of um, this letter. It's, at the, it's a letter that the Apostle Paul has written to the Christian believers in the city of Corinth. Now, as in any letter, you know, if you're writing a letter or sending somebody a, a birthday card or you're, uh, you, there's, a, there's always an intent behind it. Somebody's birthday, you write them a letter, happy birthday, joyeux, I was going to say joyeux Noël, but it's not that, it's uh, happy birthday. Or, you know, you might have um, had problems with a product you purchased and you're writing to the company to let them know it's not working and, and politely telling them you'd like it to get fixed or have a new one. There's always an intention behind the letter. And the letters that Paul wrote and all the letters we find in, in the Bible have an intentional purpose to them. And this letter has been inspired by two different things. First of all, the Apostle Paul had heard from fellow believers, actually from, you can read it in your Bibles in the first chapter of 1 um, Corinthians, it was from the family of Chloe. They were one of the families in the church at Corinth. And they were, they were telling Paul that there were a number of serious situations in the Corinthians church that needed to be addressed. Because at the time, for most part, most of the believers were viewing these matters very lightly. And they were fairly heavy matters. Problems such as divisiveness, tolerance of sin, even as far as incest, sexual immorality in general, secular lawsuits, conflicts between Christians, and more. And that was one of the reasons why he was writing this letter. And the second is, is that he wanted to provide answers to questions that the church in Corinth themselves were asking. And you can see in the chapter 17, or the last chapter of, um, of this book, that the church at Corinth had sent three or four people to Paul and because they wanted clarification on certain things, on certain issues. 
questions of doctrine, personal and corporate doc, uh, conduct and purity, things like the question of celibacy and marriage, uh, questions about public worship, uh, the principles of love and respect and the exercising of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and also love between members in the church. And you know, even the right way to take offerings for the local church. There were such specific things as that. So here, after spending a, a lot of time addressing these issues and answering some pretty thorny issues, uh, he says these words now. And uh, you know, the way letters were read at the particular time is the gentleman or the, the person in, in charge of the congregation, whoever it was, and, and Chloe, uh, she was a, a lady and one of the pastors in the church, she addressed it from her position, got up and said, well, here's the letter that Paul is sending to us. And so it was fairly long, and as they read it, they tried to understand it. And here Paul says in chapter 15, now. You know, you can almost hear the thoughts of those who are listening and reading this letter. Oh no, more. <laughs> He's going to talk about more things. What else have we done wrong? What else is there that we need to correct in our life? As you read it, you can, you can sense that. But then Paul, Paul says these words right after. He says, brothers and sisters. Paul says these words in which in effect includes himself as being part of the family. There must have been a sort of corporate side that said, oh, okay, we haven't been cast out totally. Even though Paul has said all these things, we're still part of the family. Isn't that great? You know, there's no one perfect in, in, the, in the Christian church. Hopefully when we meet Jesus, he, we, we will all be changed, be perfect. But now there's still a few little things we've got to work out in our lives. But the greatest thing that Paul was saying to them, and really God says to us as well, we're all part of the same family. What Paul was saying, hey, I am one of you. I'm really no better than you, but I really had to address that situation. And so he continues and he tells his members of the family, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you take your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you would have believed in vain. You know what the truth is, is that Paul is the founder of the Corinthian church. The book of Acts records at least three major, major missionary ventures around the Mediterranean Sea that Paul did in his life, lifetime. On his second missionary tour, he came to the city of Corinth and he stayed there for 18 months. He spoke in synagogues, marketplaces, in homes, wherever he could. Many came to faith, and he took all this time nurturing them in the ways of Christ. So he was the founder of this church. He really was part of the family. So here in this passage, he reminds them of the message that he spoke at that time, and how they had received it, and how they had literally taken their stand on it, or if you will, they had based the rest of their lives on the truth of the good news. And they were assured of their salvation because they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So, you know, you get this sense that Paul was a bit like a father to them and he's saying, 
I've told you all these things, I'm part of you, but you know, the, really the thing that is important, I really have to remind you what I talked to you about. And here he continues on and he says in verse three, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So in the midst of all these guidelines, in the midst of all these issues that he had to address, Paul says two things. First of all, Paul says what he was talking to them about now, he didn't make it up. It wasn't just some positive thought he had or he had a dream and he thought maybe they should hear. He says, you know, what I spoke to you, I had received it. I received it from the Lord himself and also from the, the apostles who were there living with, with Jesus. He said, this is not of my own creation. And secondly, he says, this message that he gave them was the most important truth that they needed to keep in mind. And here it is, the most important truth that really Paul said that they had to keep in mind. Four things, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures, and that he appeared to a varied number of individuals. What Paul states here as being the most important thing that the Corinthian church needs to remember is what brothers and sisters, we really need to remember today in the 21st century. All sorts of things that can be around us, all sorts of situations that we can live in. But this holiday weekend, this Easter weekend, this is where we need to put our thoughts. You've probably noticed it on the news, in the papers. They're all saying the same thing. For, for the Christian church, this is the most important weekend. Well, it is. And we need just to remember this, how Christ died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and he appeared to many. We read in the book of Romans another letter that the apostle Paul wrote, and he wrote about 12 of them in the New Testament that we are aware of. He says this, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe, and you're justified, and with your mouth you confess it. Those post-resurrection appearances, friends, were life-changing. They were proof that the death and the burial of Christ was not in vain, and that what Jesus had claimed was true. So he appeared to many. First of all, the Bible says he appeared to Cephas. Cephas was another name for Simon Peter. And we know how his life was changed. We remember just as before Christ was died, he, was, he denied Christ three times and he ran away. And then later we see, we see Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His life was completely changed. He stood up and told the crowds that they had crucified. He was no longer hiding. His life was changed. The post-experience of, of having seen the risen Christ himself and being filled with the Holy Spirit was totally life-changing. And then it says he appeared to the 12, the initial apostle disciples that had walked and followed Jesus in his earthly ministry. Wouldn't that have been amazing? You, you've spent these three years with Jesus, learning from him, walking with him, and then, and then he dies on the cross, and, and then he appears to you, resurrected. It's almost like, wow, this is what you said. It's true, it, it, it's, it's real what you're saying. Really transformed their life. And then it says, 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Now, interesting, maybe you might not realize it, but Paul, who was writing this letter to the Corinthians, is writing it in about 56 after Christ. So about 25 years after the death, burial, and the resurrection, and the appearances of Christ, 25 years later. And so, well, and so Paul is telling the, um, the believers here in Corinth, he said, listen, it's true. But if you, if you really want to talk to some others who it's happened to, just take a short trip to Jerusalem. And there's close to 500 people. Some of them are still living. You can go and ask them, talk to them. It, it, it's true. And then it says, he appeared to James. He mentioned James, who is the brother of Jesus. I don't know if you remember in John chapter 7, in the, in the first five verses that are there, uh, we see the brothers of Jesus almost being a bit um, jokingly about who Jesus says he was. You know, they, they said, you know, why don't you go up to Jerusalem because uh, you, you can do a lot of miracles over there. People are going to start believing in you. And then John says, because Jesus' brothers did not even believe him at the time. And then here we see James after, after this post resurrection appearance we see him changed the next time we hear of james where is it in chapter one in the book of acts he's with the um, the other believers in the upper room 40 days after the resurrection praying for the for the holy spirit to fill them their life was completely changed james becomes the head of the church in jerusalem and we even have the book of james which you have in your bible the brother of jesus it completely changed him. And then it says, he appeared to all the apostles, those who were the recognized leaders of the Christian church in the first century. And then last of all, as we come to the close of this message this morning, and last of all, he appeared to me, Paul says, for to one who is abnormally born, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. Jesus' post-resurrection appearance to Paul completely, markedly changed the course of Paul's life. You can read it in the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 9. And from that day on, on no long, he no longer imprisoned and persecuted believers, but did all that he could to bring others to a saving knowledge of Christ. Paul's former arrogant character was transformed so that any sense of perceived success he attributed to the favor himself, of, of, of God himself in his life. Friends, the resurrection of Christ that we celebrate today is the event that confirmed all the prophetic scripture and has changed countless lives. And I know for us today, it has changed completely our lives as well. Jesus died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and he appeared and he is living today. 
And he's living today to change anyone who in their own heart will confess him. So Paul, in the midst of all the corrections, all the clarifications, says to the Corinthian church and to us this morning, matter of first importance is our believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth, Jesus is the risen Lord. Will you bow with me this morning? And we're just going to pray, and we're just going to confess that truth to us and just rejoice in it. Maybe you have never made that particular confession of faith as a person. And when we were young, we were taught the Apostles' Creed, and might, we might have said it by rote. But maybe this morning we just need to say it as a true act of faith and a confession to the Lord of who we really believe He is. Let's just say in our hearts in our, in our, and in our, in our own hearts and in our mouth, confess it with our mouths, I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. It was my sins that have put you on that cross, and you died for me. And I thank you for making that eternal sacrifice. I believe you were buried, you literally died, and you were put in a tomb. And I believe that God the Father rose, raised you from the dead. And I believe that today you live in a resurrected, a resurrected Christ to give us new life. Jesus, forgive my sins, come into my life. Transform me as you transform the apostles, the disciples, as you transform even the brother of, of Jesus, James. Transform me as, as you transform the apostle Paul and use me in my life. And Father, I give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.